This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. Therefore we are back with the hafta. I am Abhinandan Sekri. Before I introduce the panel and tell you what we have on the menu, a very important announcement for those special people we call subscribers. Many of our subscribers wrote in to us and you know the discount, the Christmas New Year discount. Um they could not avail of it because they had an active subscription and until that ex- subscription expires we don't have a system where you can just get your new subscription and it gets added on from when your subscription expires so this is for those subscribers who want to extend the subscription and yet avail of the discount thank you so much for those of you who showed the patience because us uh, you know the the payment gateway was acting up and you sent us money via paypal and paytm we have extended your subscription from the back end those subscribers who want to avail of the discount and extend it further to wherever the subscription expires this is for our subscribers only so while the official discount is closed for all the rest for the subscribers what you can do is you can send us the money via paypal or paytm by monday night so monday night india time via paypal or paytm you can send it and we will extend your subscription from the back end for international payments you can send us a discounted amount via paypal to prashant at newslaundry.com that is p r a s h a n t at newslaundry.com this is for international payments who want to send us money via paypal if you live in india you can pay tm it to 9899483893 i will repeat 9899483893 once you make the payment send us the screenshot to subscription at newslaundry.com i repeat Once you've made the payment, just send the screenshot of your payment to subscription at newslaundry dot com, and we'll take care of the rest. But please remember to specify the email and login of your current subscription. You know, because some of you uh, send us a login with a new email ID for the extended subscription, and then we can't quite match the two. So whatever your active subscription is, please specify that email or login, and then we will do the rest from the back end. I hope this works for you. Thank you so much. So joining us on the hafta today we have our in-house panel our managing editor Raman Kripal hi and Anand Vardhan hello Anand hello. Manisha is joining us from her house because she has hi. uh I don't know she she's done some sort of ankle she fell or something I sprained it you sprained it because usually I, when I she's have, in I have a soft tissue injury a soft tissue so because she she's, she's <laughs> usually dropping dal and sabzi for me to clean when she's in office so since I wasn't around she she dropped herself uh and joining us from mumbai is our panelist amit verma hi amit hey abhinandan what's up pleased to be here well pleasure to have you i'll just introduce you to our guests amit is an extremely accomplished media professional he is a writer and columnist in fact i see his little blurbs on uh, times of india that appear every day right or is it uh, i weekend? used to write weekly limericks for them now i yeah. write columns occasionally for them the limericks have kind of stopped for a while right So uh, he's based out of Mumbai. He's been a journalist since 2001. He's he was managing editor of Crick Info for a few years and has been a columnist for every major Indian publication. He's the editor of thinkpragati.com. He's won the prestigious Basia Prize for Journalism in 2007 and 2015 and he's also known for his blog India Uncut and his podcast The Seen and Unseen. Before I go into all that we'll be discussing um amit your basia awards of, of for a particular report or story is it for general uh, overall output of work that you do uh, it's a prize given to journalists who uh, in their word quote and quote uh, promote the values of a free society 
so uh, so yeah it's it's sort of a classical liberal libertarian kind of award i see and um i have one more question before we get into the menu i noticed you've been managing editor of crick info for a few years right uh that was in the last decade yeah that that ended like a decade ago but that you you're uh, that means you know lots about cricket uh i can talk lots about cricket i don't know if i know much about it okay i have a question which <laughs> i have been debating on hafta and every podcast and it's a provocative one which gets much uh push back is cricket a sport or is cricket a game uh you have to define sport and game for me i mean it's 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 both i mean but how do you define sport critically i define sport as something that has a combination of the following that you need strength stamina hand eye coordination skill in some measure you need all this and of course practice and stuff uh whereas I... uh like for example i don't think baseball is a sport it's a game um or carrom board So similarly, I had some such views on cricket, which I was reprimanded for. Or oh, golf, I think, is a sport, uh, is a game, not a sport. Like if my eight-year-old father can beat me, then it's not much of a sport. Yeah, I think you might be sort of over-emphasizing the physical aspect, but I, I think that's a very valid and interesting question about chess, and I've had many arguments about that. But cricket, yeah, I was thinking of chess. Eh? Yeah, but cricket, I think, clearly needs strength, stamina. You know, all of those things you mentioned, and it's it's therefore both. Uh, sport and a game i mean a game of course because it's also played in the head but uh, uh, it feels like a, a sport to me but sorry anand had something to say yeah, i think uh, this uh, distinction between sports and game is arbitrary hmm. uh, sports uh, uh, it originates from purposeless joy <laughs> any 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 pursuit that gives you purposeless joy uh-huh. is a sports or game alternatively uh-huh. cricket uh, in different departments needs a strength it it, right. ne- it needs a strength otherwise uh, uh, best cricketers retire by 35 40 no absolutely I, uh, 40 40 it does, and yeah. and uh, you need a very high degree of a skill set for a lot of things mm. so uh, for for a lot of things you need very high degree of uh, skill set hand eye coordination strength fast bowling is all about strength and so the uh, batting for say 12 hours is all about stamina and strength you need to run f- for every run so uh, i think your physical strength is there high hand eye coordination there again cricket is very um, also some bias against it is it is because very refined game it's a very refined a lot it's of it's not a contact sport uh, a lot of technicalities are there a lot of things are there which uh, also uh, since it was an elite sports from cambridge and university and oxford and it's it was not a mass sport in england but a very elite sport so there there was a kind of bias against it in mass culture do you agree amit Yeah, I broadly agree. All, all of that makes sense. But I, I, I think you know, if you if you're too firm about these definitions of strength and stamina, then for example, twenty twenty cricket requires less stamina than Test cricket does. So mm. is it then less of a sport? So mm. I think all of this is it's it's pointless to debate it. Especially you know, all of us are uh, above a certain age. You know, millennials today will like play video games on their laptops and call that a sport. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> In fact, there's a tournament. I saw there's like a tournament, like full stadium. There are people sitting and playing on their Xboxes, and like the winner, it's like you get some few million dollars if a lot of money in his ball. Yeah, a few million. Even a, 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 the mobile game winner in India got three point five crore. Wow. Really? Yes, okay. yes. In Chennai, in Chennai, it was held. Okay. So <laughs> on with our pointless lives where where we do no such thing. Uh, Amit, uh, regarding your podcast, 
the scene and unseen you want to tell our listeners a little bit about it so they can check it out what's it yeah, about yeah so the uh, the scene and the unseen is a podcast that basically began by aiming to look at uh, um not just the intentions of public policy but also the unintended consequences a phrase is taken from an essay written by frederick bastia in the 19th century but since then it's evolved to being more of an interview podcast where i do deep dives into various subjects so like um, uh, my latest episode was with the historian gyan prakash about the emergency i have uh, my two episodes which are coming up next week and the next are with ram guha on gandhi and i aim for my episodes to be sort of between 1 and 2 hours of free flowing relaxed conversations and the idea is to go much deeper than uh, conversations in mainstream media allow you to do like an, an interview in a newspaper would be like five or six questions or whatever maybe a magazine would have 20 with me the conversation just go on a lot i thank you so check out amit's podcast and you can write to him and tell him tell him what you think and if you don't like it you can abuse him on twitter I I I hope that will be okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll just tell you what dominated news headlines, front page and debates the last week. There was Justice Sikri's controversy regarding his post-retirement assignment, which he has now the unending CBI saga. Yeah, now that's Just every every week there's a new twist. Exactly. Although he's now kind of said that he will not take up that post, and the yeah. post that he had been approved for was the London-based Commonwealth Secretariat Arbitral Tribunal. so uh, that was one then of course there was the usual cbi saga like she said um prashant bhushan has moved court saying that the new person cannot take charge then the biggest news of the week which actually was noisiest was the former student union leaders kanhaiya kumar umar khaled and a few others have been charged with sedition the charge sheet has been filed that led to major fireworks on channels it was very entertaining i'm sure it's worrying for the people involved but I did not see such hysteria in a long time and every now and then it was just good to check it out. Then Rajkumar Hirani has been accused of sexual assault by a woman working on the sets of Sanju. It did not got that much coverage but I read a few pieces about it. I just like to ask the panel what they think of um is the me too kind of died that's why one doesn't hear about it and what is the reasons for its kind of well not death but it not being as visible as it was some time ago then the caravan did a cover story on ajit doval's sons who run a web of one of them who runs a web of companies including a cayman island based hedge fund um that story was making major rounds on online till yesterday uh, i haven't seen it been picked up by uh, legacy media yet i wonder why and modi wins the first ever philip kotler presidential award what is this award bhai it has caused so much of confusion and debate philip kotler has stepped in some website has gone missing maybe we can shed some light on what that was about and no bjp rathyatra for now in bengal says the supreme court and they say the bengal uh, government's worry is not unfounded but can i just start off with uh, i'll just come to amit and then we'll come to manisha there was a report on um which was not confirmed uh that arun jetli is gone for cancer treatment i think the wire reported that yeah wire reported and uh, of course there's no confirmation for that they said he may not be back to present the budget today we he will probably be back to present the budget i just wanted to know uh, from everyone starting with amit the ethics of i don't know whether he has cancer or not i have no reason to believe it yet because no one from that side has said so but in case he does he has some illness and i remember similar debate had come during sonia's time and that was treated quite differentially she was overseas for treatment no one knew where she was what the treatment was there was speculation but no news media reported it as such 
and i remember there were rumors that it's cancer something it's not cancer is it okay for a news media outfit to go public like this on someone cuz maybe he hasn't told his family the ethics of it or if you're a public person it's all game uh i think as far uh, you know even public people have private lives so in the case of sonia gandhi for example i would say that no sometimes you need to respect privacy but in mr jetley's case he's actually a minister in the government he's working for us he's uh, by definition a public servant and i think it's fair enough to a certain extent to know what the situation is is he you know uh, Uh, fulfilling his duties is 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 he fit to do what he's i mean one can of course um, uh, say that the finance ministry is anywhere run from the pmo so what difference does it make but hmm. uh, uh, regardless of that i think when it comes to ministers and public servants here yeah, the media has uh, just a right but a duty to uh, uh, sort of uh, keep the public uh, abreast of uh, what is happening but otherwise i would say private lives are uh, private lives we should not uh, get too much into them and and in our polarized times the way the discourse is is kind of you know yesterday amit shah was uh, i think admi- uh, said he had spine flu and mm. was uh, taking treatment for it and the amount of snark on twitter about that is quite distressing i mean i'm an opponent of modi and shah but nevertheless these are things which i think one should not really uh, comment much on and uh, in shah's sure. case he's not even technically a public servant he's yeah. a president of a party so it's fine it's when my taxpayers money is involved that i'm concerned and i want to hold those people accountable so you know how long mr jetley will be absent and unable to do his duties is a matter for the media to look into yeah i i agree to some extent but i was wondering about just the cancer bit manisha could you come in like that he has cancer that so is... what i do know is that this news was doing the rounds for a, for about 2 days and no one in the mainstream media wanted to report on it but reporters sort of knew that this was happening and then wire of course published a piece and i'm sure that such a thing you wouldn't publish without having some solid uh, you Evidence. know sources telling mm. you that he does have cancer i don't i, don't, I think it'll be very very irresponsible if they just published it without actually confirming that he has cancer and i uh, Your question is basically: Should you, it's okay yeah. to say if he's unwell and yeah, he's away? Yeah, that he's there for treatment. Should you mention the disease? Exactly. You can say that he's there for treatment, but should one say he has cancer if it's think, not public? I think I think if you're a public person and he holds a public post, there should be discussions around this, and it, it, you should tell people. You know, look at Bollywood. Like whenever any of these stars have cancers, they post pictures or they. Irfan Khan wrote a whole long post about the disease he has. So I do think public. If you're in a public uh, space. Uh, you should there should be healthy conversations around it if he's unwell he's unwell he's gone for treatment he's gone for treatment it shouldn't be like this oh can't talk about this hush hush thing raman sir uh, but i remember like when i was in dna uh, one of uh, our editors back then had asked me to do a report on whether arvind kejriwal is fit to be a chief minister or not that he has diabetes he keeps coughing that kind of salaciousness i don't approve <laughs> This was an actual conversation in a newsroom that you know why don't we do a piece on uh, whether he's fit to be one uh, chief minister or not he has so many diseases blah blah, blah. so that, that I don't approve of but healthy conversations around the health of our you know uh, public uh, personalities can be good conversation starters also on these diseases or health and stuff like that Raman sir no I'll prefer such uh, such news coming from the horse's mouth hmm. I would not like to file anything on the presumptions Mm. and i would not like to uh, i mean i'll chase it in a very healthy way i would try to get the official view on this so uh, but if you had evidence or if you had someone from the hospital saying it he's here for uh-huh, cancer treatment uh-huh. would you go so, with so it so it has to be uh, i mean i have to have some evidence but then you would report it yeah even in case of uh, amisha amisha is a public servant he is rajya sabha mp 
So yeah, but in that case, it wasn't uh, a secret. In that but, case, uh, it it's just a secret. Uh, mm. It wasn't a secret. I think it came from the party. No, but what you're saying is, as an editor, if you had clear sources from within the hospital that there was cancer treatment, it's okay to report it for report. a public purpose. Oh, I see. Simply report. Okay. Do not add any adjectives to it. I see. Okay. Anand? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, same. If uh, the person suffering from it is willing to say that, then you should carry. And uh, I think they get carried away by the social, in the digital, like where, this, uh, what kind of buzz it will create on social media. And say, and uh, as Amit was pointing out about the snarky comments, so uh, Sunetra Chaudhary, who was on the panel earlier here, so uh, someone said that swine flu, swine flu uh, hopefully also kills people then she posted a smiley so it was very irresponsible when Abhi? yes last night no on in this context no last night last That's night okay and about Modi also Modi also had and she said that yeah. it also uh, no, but kills the, people but that tweet was the one tweet you're referring to was the older one or a new one no uh, yesterday she didn't tweet but in a response to such tweets she just said post, posted a oh, smiley and say that I will not say anything on I it. Won't say. Okay, oh, you could have simply ignored it. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so uh, and um, even Maya Mirchandani who works for I think NDTV. ORF. ORF. <laughs> so <laughs> see also a smiley. But, uh, you get carried away by the kind of uh, response you get in this. Uh, I think Twitter that way is like I have often repeated ad nauseum is not the place to frame debates or come up with anything sensible. But uh, I will say this one thing on the I mean I'm on the fence on this but on this whole public person thing I think like if you take the equivalent in the private sector if any investor is coming into a business um, and they have reason to uh, be concerned about the health of the leadership management uh, you are bound to um, conduct certain health checkups and submit those reports as part of actually raising funds that if we are putting in money is this person healthy enough or will this person pop off uh, in fact, this was uh, done in it was a very high-profile case. I forget which one it was. It wasn't Enron, but... Or maybe after his first heart attack, there was, you know, the stock price was going south. He had to make his health reports public. So in publicly traded companies, this is a big issue. So perhaps there is some merit for a cabinet minister to be transparent about his health because it is more important than a publicly traded company. Yeah. Um, now, coming to the award, let's get the frivolous stuff out of the way first. Uh, Anand, why don't you start this time and then we'll go to Amit. What, what, like, what is, I mean, uh, let me just frame this, what I think the problem is. Award The thing is, because this award, the person who was giving it, the people involved suddenly deleted their website, they deleted their Twitter accounts, the, yeah, the, the address, the link did not exist. I mean, and when the Prime Minister of the country takes an award, if you want to give something to someone, even, even news professionals, for example, you know, you're often invited for foundations, for a conference where they fly you and fly you back. Even I checked 10 times, yeah, because the funding of that foundation is related to some, you know, Ulfa or some JNK independence front type. Then as a news profession, you're in shit. So even a tutcha like me checks 10 times before I accept any invitation for anything. I was expecting the Prime Minister to do a more thorough check. Uh, so they have specific answers. Uh, so I thought on that it was kind of shabby. 
आनंद आई थिंक वी स्टिल डोंट नो मच अबाउट इट सो मीन्स वट वट आई एम सेंग इज दैट वी डोंट नो वेदर इट वॉज एन ऑथेंटिक अवार्ड और नॉट वी डोंट ऑल्सो डोंट नो वेदर इट वॉज नॉट एन ऑथेंटिक अवार्ड वेदर इट वॉज वी डोंट नो ऑल्सो प्राइम नॉट प्राइम मिनिस्टर बट आई डोंट एक्सपेक्ट प्राइम मिनिस्टर टू हैव टाइम फॉर दैट बट येस प्राइम मिनिस्टर्स ऑफिस शुड चेक शुड चेक there have been precedents uh, in which uh, uh, public personalities uh, means uh, share dubious stages hmm. like this uh, 250 rupees mobile yeah. uh, and murli manohar joshi and lot of leaders were sharing the stage uh, uh, when it was bells. what was it ringing uh, bells ringing bells hmm. so when it was launched uh, 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 murli manohar joshi was one high profile one but other also other leaders also shared and the a stage for its uh, launch now um, getting into the antecedents uh, of uh, people who are awarding you or who are trying to launch something in your presence is uh, tricky but it can be done the due diligence can be done uh philip cotler has cleared a bit of air by stepping in and saying that yes yes he is a known marketing figure and uh, many mbas yeah. is many mba students their primary textbook is written by him hmm. so uh that uh, that has been a saving uh, grace for the prime minister that he has stepped in and, and he authenticated that but still the paraphernalia uh, that was involved in awarding the prime minister is, is still dubious i think amit do you think it's done damage to a prime minister's image as the marketing genius by some very clumsy defenses of the bjp spokespersons on television regarding this award definitely and i have sort of two comments to make on this one assumes the award is genuine one assumes it's not if the award is genuine i think there should be a norm in place for public servants to not accept awards of any kind because it lead to conflicts of interest so you know things like the nobel prize and all is okay but they should simply not receive any uh, private awards in the same way that there is a norm which is not followed but for government servants ki on diwali if they are sent anything more than mithais they send it back so you have to avoid not just a conflict of interest but the appearance of a conflict of interest so it should be a norm to just reject all awards secondly i think look this is this doesn't really seem to be a genuine award it's done for optics which leads to the question of who is this done uh, for because um, um, you know modi's prime constituency would not even know who kotler is and uh, you know only latians really would know who kotler is and they're not going to buy into the shit so you know who was it for it, it's just uh, the whole thing was very silly and shabbily orchestrated manisha yeah and in fact if you read uh, philip kotler's interview to this marketing journal it really seems like he's trying to you know this uh, damage control because he goes into like uh, we have a committee and we give this award and these this is the criteria and we felt that uh, modi is the best uh, you know looking at this criteria and uh, the final decision was mine like if you had to speak about the award you won't go into such fine details of mm. you know how it goes about it seems like coming out of a sort of a guilty space and if i may button here it also kind of struck me that you know has has anyone actually verified if that's really kotler and if the marketing magazine he gave the interview to is legit you know it it didn't sound like something kotler would say so i'm just wondering uh well the marketing the, journal the, seems quite legit the uh, tweet from the looks of the it but yeah, is, i mean i don't think anyone's really checked but the twitter account can't be i mean i don't think 
it's not verified the the twitter it's not verified at such a big level no but it's not a verified account i mean if you remember manisha when arun shori some suddenly came on twitter and everyone started jumping up and down with he did some anti modi tweets and then he issued a statement saying that's not him so this is not a verified account so while it may be true but as of now that that kotla whatever that account is not verified also oh, one thing is that if uh, prime minister of india throws his weight behind something he can get uh, some major reward yeah so uh, <laughs> and uh, i think the promotional uh, uh, the promotional charm of this uh, award was for the organization giving it yeah, not, not the, so much not the prime, prime minister. minister the organization was trying to promote itself it seems because yeah. because if the pr machinery of a prime minister of uh, a country as big as india can uh, get it to it, it it can get any major award also yeah. i think it's the wire story that kind of suggests that the organization behind this award uh, is also involved in the other organization or company that is bidding for a psu yeah. and that was one of the sponsors which is gale was one of the sponsors of this award raman sir what is your take on this no, i agree with the uh, anand hmm. that the pmo has uh, the prime minister office has created a very embarrassing situation from the prime for the prime minister and has given a handle to the critics mm. uh to you know make fun of uh, the prime minister to ridicule the award i think in the entire pmo is to be blamed for this they should have verified they should have checked it before announcing it right okay uh, so now we can get into something a little more serious that is the genu case while you all pull your thoughts together on that i have a couple of emails from our subscribers that i would like to read out and then um, you know i'll start with manisha on genu you can set the context also of it manisha hmm. uh, so this email is from malcolm trevor briganza Hi Abhinandan and team News Laundry it has been an absolute pleasure listening and reading articles from News Laundry over the last 5 years i'm a student in sydney australia and in the last couple of months i've decided to subscribe to your channel thank you so much malcolm love alone cannot run an organization we need your money uh, so thank you for subscribing the podcasts have been amazing i just read through an entire investor notification page and i'm totally impressed with the information and about a few expenses of your organization like payout in the public domain even though the salary of one individual is a little too much but i should not care about that have you made salaries public by the way we haven't yet i don't know who salary talking about yeah but we will be putting but there is actually there's an uh, i would highly recommend there's a podcast uh, on planet money which is a which is a uh, study of what happens to an organization when you make salaries public and that's a news organization so i'm on the fence on that one because everybody else is buying also has to come in i just can't say you should because if someone doesn't want then i shouldn't really be doing that but yeah we'd like to keep it as transparent as possible so you guys know where your money is going because we depend on subscription money and not advertiser money because when the subscribers pays the subscribers are served when advertisers pay advertisers are served anyway i'll continue with the email i would believe that the team has certain goals to achieve in 2019 and requires resources to achieve them is there a possibility that as we as subscribers to your channel can have an estimate of the budgeted resources required and like a tracker which displays the funds achieved and how much is still left to achieve so that we can endorse this medium to our friends and family to help you sustain this business model moreover if i could be of any help reporting from sydney it would be great also just to satisfy my curiosity does news laundry have a democratic style of office culture or is it hierarchical style i hope an election year 2019 will bring a lot of surprises and fun to all news laundry content consumers regards malcolm briganza malcolm your a uh, thing um idea of having a real time tracker of how much money we have in our piggy bank and how much we need for the next few months is actually something that i've been working on and i'd like to hopefully make it happen in 2019 
so you know how much of a deficit we're running on and then you can suggest to other people to subscribe to us and then you know or suggest how we raise the rest of the resources so it's an excellent idea it's been on my to-do list for a long time there's a certain tech hack hopefully when we are going to be redoing our entire tech you will see this feature there as far as a, demo, a democratic style of functioning i don't think i would like to comment on that i'd let Manisha Raman sir and Anand tell me this. Highly undemocratic. Uh-huh. Every day we turn up in office at nine. We salute Abhinandan. Then we, <laughs> when we bow in front of him, then he's like, "Aaj tum ye karega." Hitler, Hitler like, salute. Yes sir. Yes sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, okay, but uh, and uh, then, uh, 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 on many things are very democratic, but on certain things are not. I'll be honest. Uh, such as um, like what. Um, we don't really have a hierarchy. Yeah, it's quite no, yeah. flat. Yeah. So yeah. No, in news ah. organization, we hardly. I mean, it's not just uh, this paper. Yeah, it's uh, just. I mean, like, in other papers where I've worked, mm, the hierarchy is very loose. Uh, it's very loose. Uh, very loose. Okay, so that's that's so Malcolm. So yeah, uh, Manisha, please tell us about the whole JNU fracas because you've been following the story for a long time. Just lay the context quickly. and your comment on how the media covered it so uh, the delhi police on monday basically filed a charge sheet in the sedition case this is from 2016 the famous jnu case where kanaiya kumar umar khaled and anirban bhattacharya were charged with sedition uh, slogans were raised uh, in jnu and uh, the complaint was filed back then so it's been 3 years uh, and now the charge sheet has been filed and interestingly uh, it has been leaked to certain media groups and uh, none of the guys uh, charged cheated have received it yet so umar khaled and uh, kanaiya and all have not read it uh, i have read excerpts of it again from the media groups that it's been circulating in and it's very i mean one would really have it's a very big charge sheet some 1200 pages but from what you read uh, the police does say that they have not they don't see kanaiya raising slogans yeah so, and uh, anyone who's covered this case would tell you that there were slogans chanted like kashmir ki azadi or um, bharat tere tukde honge. honge all that was chanted there were videos but in those videos these were masked boys and nowhere can you see kanaiya umar or anirban anywhere in these and videos. those boys have vanished and there was a press conference yesterday where a former abvp functionary has claimed that it was the abvp behind it and when this happened plot was he was part of the abvp how credible yeah. is that allegation abvp had called z news so the story was that abvp abvp called z news and then z news ran a story and then media picked it up and the subsequent the sedition cases everything else followed the media coverage so it was the media actually that right in the first two days there were like arnab rahul shankar uh, sudhir choudhary saying that ye desh dro ho raha hai aur kya aap इसके अगेंस्ट एक्शन लेंगे एंड दे एक्चुअली यूज द चार्ज शीट टू पैट देमसेल्व्स ऑन द बैक सेइंग वी वर राइट ऑल अलोंग इट्स इट्स लाइक अ इनफैक्ट जी इट्स लाइक एन लूप यू नो दैट व्हेन देयर इज ऑडियो लूप हैपेंस द स्पीकर गोस ऑन द माइक द माइक गोस ऑन द स्पीकर द स्पीकर नथिंग हैपेंस नो नो जी आल्सो क्लेम दैट दे हैव रेड एवरी वर्ड ऑफ द चार्ज शीट सो दे हैव द चार्ज शीट दे हैव क्लेम्ड इट ऑन टीवी बट द चार्ज शीट इज वेरी यू नो इट सेज स्टफ लाइक वी हैव प्रूफ ऑफ एसएमएसएस प्रूफ दैट Umar Khalid called um, Kanaiya to Ganga Dhaba. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, he could have. Of course, the event was organized by these guys, uh-huh. but and of course, they exchanged posters or emails discussing how to go about organizing it. But that doesn't lead to anything, you know. That's hardly a proof. And again, if you look at the sedition, the history of sedition cases, there has to be an imminent um, incitement to violence, which has not happened in this case. Mere chanting. I can actually even if. And Kanaiya had said, "Bharat, you are going to be charged with sedition." 
and right. listen till there's no, I just think it's unfortunate the way the news went hysterical I mean I saw um, uh, Arnab all but orgasming when this debate was mm-hmm. happening he was getting so excited and jumping and his hands go like this in fact I'd like to do a little bhangra mix up you know the, just the video of him and also Shekhar when Shekhar talks he puts both his hands up like this and does a lot of this so you know I was watching it on mute and I was like you know if I could just put Karthik, why don't we do that? Huh? Shekhar was on the debate? No, no. That Shekhar was on, he was doing off the cuff. So when Shekhar talks, he's like, would you think, is it, he does that. So I was thinking, if you just reverse People that. People can't see you. you could, <laughs> but yeah, but, Abhinandan was doing Bhangra in the office. So, uh, no, but uh, no, I was just distressed at this feedback loop that has been created. The, the media shouts, mm-hmm. that shouting is taken as, uh, as a trigger for the police to act. When the police acts and files a charge sheet, the media says, see, we were right all along and th- that's how it and goes. And merely filing a charge sheet does not mean that the charges have been proven. True, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and second thing, the major and fallacy of this charge sheet is, hmm. the charge sheets are normally filed within 90 days of filing an FIR. Hmm. And this charge sheet has been filed after three years. Three years, yeah. So this is a major fallacy. Yeah, I think this is one of the lowest points of coverage. Mm. Uh, Amit, your views on this? I think this is like a phenomenal self-goal. It was a self-goal in 2016. It's a self-goal now because uh, it's very tactically stupid of the BJP to create their own enemies. No one had heard of Kanaya or Umar Khaled or Shela Rashid before this. And the BJP suddenly made them into opposition figures with a high profile and and handed over the uh, moral high ground to them. Uh, so, or maybe that's just my elite way of looking at it and, you know, the, the, this kind of rhetoric actually works among the masses. But uh, I, I just think it's a self-goal and, uh, you, you, you know, when when they, when they the BJP is blessed with a very weak opposition, uh, I mean, I often say that the greatest gift to Narendra Modi is Rahul Gandhi. When they are blessed with a very weak and inept opposition, why are you then going out and creating more opposition leaders and, uh, you know, focal figures for people to express their, uh, their dissent? So it's mm-hmm. just tactically very stupid, which I am quite pleased about because I would like the BJP to be tactical. Stupid. Anand? So, uh, two, three points. Uh, um, first on the sedition, uh, I think uh, uh, 124A sedition, uh, it would not go away because nation states would find it useful. Uh, but what can be done, and uh, as in the Asham case also some sedition yes. charges have been framed, is that it needs to be narrowly defined. And now it's very broad. You can, uh, it's so vague that you can use it in multiple circumstances. But it needs to be, even if we take it as a necessary evil, it needs to be very narrowly defined. It means is there is a, an imminent danger to the sovereignty or security of the country? Or imminent threat of violence. Or imminent threat. So uh, such and uh, the tangibles need to be defined. Now that can be one of the considerations that law commission is also le- looking into. Uh, second, as Amit was pointed out, yes, I think these leaders, uh, the indoctrinated youth, or whether they are on right or left, uh, whether it is ABBP or SFI, they are um, the media's understanding of uh, campus politics is very naive. They are inconsequential figures, and antidote to a radicalism is their own radicalism. The the day they walk into the larger public life, they will get to know their fallacies, both the right and left. 
So uh, let them carry on with their uh, radicalism in their own pocket borrows. And, uh, and when they uh, confront the real life, they will know. So uh, I think BJP uh, was uh, on a turf with it wanted to please its youth wing, means RSS youth wing ABB. Mm -hmm. That is my speculation, uh, ABBP. And uh, it got, uh, and it went too far on it. Mm. Uh, and spiral uh, out of control. Yes, this. and uh, in order to uh, placate some of the pit, pit uh, say, um, uh, issues of ABP that we need to make a dent in JNU and this, they went too far. Uh, also, uh, I would like to see how this plays out in court because uh, the media allegations, insinuation, and counter theories uh, have no responsibility attached to them, but a police charge sheet has a responsibility attached to it and how, yeah. it, how it stands the legal scrutiny in court needs to be seen. No, I think it was not so much to please the ABP youth. Mm. I think th that Jenny was the first major, you know, uh, show of strength on the nationalism issue. Because they were, the BJP was, uh, the Wanted government was... Wanted to make was nationalism a, a national issue. Uh, mm. So, so the JNU emerged as one of the nationalism issue. I think that was the very planned thing on the part of the government. I just want to add one thing on the media coverage, on just the sort of uh, deception that we've seen in this reporting. Right in the beginning, you know, Z News keeps going to town saying that we never doctored a video, we never doctored a video, which is true, they didn't doctor it. But... Uh, the first uh, footage that they played, there's a bunch of people saying uh, Bharatiya Code Zindabad and they played on the ticker, they played the slogan Pakistan Zindabad and it's really fast so you can't understand. So it sounds like they're saying Pakistan Zindabad. Within two days, some people pointed out that, oh, look, in that group, there are ABVP guys. So ABVP guys were saying Pakistan Zindabad. Then Z News does a program saying, Ki kya ye Pakistan Zindabad bol rahe? Dhyan se suni, ye Bharatiya Code Zindabad bol rahe. Same footage. Hmm. Within two days, there was this difference. And they can still get to be on their high moral ground and still say Pakistan Zindabad was shouted. And they have no one, no one's countering them. Like forget Z News or Times or Republic, but there's no effective counter on the other side from like maybe say an NDTV or India Today, which is more disheartening. I, I don't think uh, legacy media will go at each other. That's the reason News Laundry was born actually. When we set it up in 2012, the entire premise was that media doesn't critique each other and we should critique it in a way where we can also sit around and discuss with each other. So without being... You know, all venomous about I mean, it. Even if they didn't have to go, I mean, I'm yeah. not saying any TV should critique Z News or Times, and they do. They do take pot shots at each other, both the channels. But put the facts out, you know. And yeah. there hasn't been in the mainstream media. You haven't seen a good. But you know, uh, my especially in television media, my, my problem, like my problem, Manisha, is not just with other channels. And I will say this about a former colleague, and I have seen no inhibition in saying this. Anand Ranganathan was on Republic. He's a regular figure now, and certain obvious. Incorrect facts are put out there by Arnab. He was conflating certain legal issues. Mm. And everyone on that panel just sat and listened. Smita Prakash yeah. is on that panel. She's a journalist. She knows that's bullshit. They just let that go because they want to be invited on that circus again and again. And that, I mean, why should another studio counter you when the people in your own studio aren't countering you? I'm not saying you True. have to agree or disagree with the person, but at least if a wrong thing is put out, say that is factually incorrect. Like he said, that... 
the uh, like the charge sheet is a is a uh, has an uh, that, that means that they're guilty that's not the case also he said that tukde tukde plot like what is the plot there's no plot so i just that exactly something very basic like it's it's really farcical to watch this just play out every night without seeing any effective counter to this yeah but i i can only and guess that the, 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 can I, I guess that people like john dayal will just like again john dayal is a shouter side. i mean let's let's be clear <laughs> even people like john dayal go every day to republic you think anyone listens to what he has to say and, and no one should I mean, he is nothing he, intelligent to add to i mean even even people like him are going there only to either because you get money to appear on panels yeah. or because yeah. you get some twitter fame you know the, the, yeah. both kind some of relevance. pathetic pursuits uh, but anyway um, we'll move on um, to this entire sanju issue of rajkumar hirani i just like to not spend too much time on that but before that i have one more email or a couple more emails that i'd like to read from our subscribers this one comes from sagar Sagar is asking for more representation in Hafta. He says the first issue of the black-owned and published newspapers, Freedom's Journal, hangs on a prominent wall in the news museum in Washington D.C. Its editors, Samuel Cornish and John Russwurm, put out a stirring de- declaration in their first issue on March 16, 1827. "Quote: Too long have others spoken for us. Too long has the public been deceived by misrepresentations and things which concern us dearly. We wish to plead our own cause." Unquote. This is in reference to a recent 10% reservation episode on Anil Hafta and various other places where Dalit issues were discussed. One common thing I've observed was the lack of Dalit voices in your panel who discuss Hafta. I'm not belittling you guys. I just want to point out the fact that you get very few Dalit journalists in your discussion. They may have a perspective you guys miss. Being a Dalit myself, I have often struggled to explain to upper caste friends what it means to be a Dalit in India. It's like explaining colors to a blind man. They don't get it. To a blind person, sorry. So my suggestion is you may try calling people like Sudipta Mondol, Christina Thomas, Dhanraj, Divya Kandukuri and other Dalit journalists on Hafta just to get their viewpoint. I mean the representation of Dalit journalists in English media is already abysmally low and I hope Newsnight does not become one of them. Regards Sagar. Sagar I completely agree with you there's something we've discussed very often and we also like uh, the late Rajiv Gandhi said hum dekh rahe hain hum dekhenge Uh, Karthik, you got to do something, bro. This this is yeah. a legitimate and criticism. I I, It I is a recurring legitimate criticism. Voters without orders has actually fared better than Hafta when it comes to representation. Both the Brahminical patriarchy discussion and the discussion in Ten Percent Reservation, they had people. Uh, I think she called a Dalit panelist for the first one and uh, yeah. a Bahujan panelist for the second I think, one. I think we've so been. They're doing a better job than us. We've we've been for focusing on on um, gender. and we are pretty we made sure we don't have manuals even on our events but on hafta we have to get voices that are not typical up pandeys and vardhans and you know that is my name it's not my surname oh sorry it's it's my name <laughs> so it's my name okay, there was name. a tendency in bihar to have casteless names in during lalu regime because upper caste boys and girls were discriminated discriminated against, against. so you have ranjans vardhans and Achha. this kind of thing Achha. so it's not it's my name not my surname okay and one more quick email um this is from dhiraj My lord I object I picked up three factual errors in last week's hafta the giggles about right wing making a big deal of the mythological story of the replacement of Sri Ganesh being proof of plastic surgery but you know that Sushrutas someone from the Vedic times surgery work has been recognized by international journals actually I do know that uh, in fact there's a huge poster on that in by doctors clinic in the waiting room there's a huge poster about uh, the surgery in ancient Vedic times second Hal not being able to pay its employees. Now the question is, who is lying? Hal's balance sheet on various sites 
including its own sure profit of 2000 crore he's given the link um actually we, we did not make that claim the discussion on hafta was that when a panelist made the claim of cash in hand the bjp person said there's no cash in hand because it's a cashless economy uh, so that was actually the context that that wasn't a claim we made and third he said rahul said hardik has been with cheerleaders okay why make this point it's not bcci that appoints cheerleaders but individual teams so abhinandan bcci taking action by your account then is not justified what say but the irony is rahul johri is actually accused of sexual harassment and these two cricketers aren't one can argue that both the ceo and the cricketers look at him as meat as can be seen in the article below and he's put a link to an article from the times of india in the words, words of the great manisha pandey one hand of the bcci is doing the opposite of what the other hand is doing Manisha Meghna thousand tears after laughing hysterically playing the nuisance video again and again you guys can use this Kapil Sharma Baba ji ka thullu anyway i was jobless after <laughs> hafta and got into a devdas style i object so thank you dheeraj for your criticism critique and pointing out whatever you thought was incorrect amit let's start with you on But one thing one point i think the point you made on cheerleaders still stands because even if they're not been i mean they're still colleagues in a way right even if they're not yeah let's let's get it's on. like you hiring a colonist or exactly, a freelancer right. right so i'll just get amit on that amit and after that we'll just go into me too uh, my point was after initially thinking expressing the view that the bcci is like overreacting and asking for show cause notice then i kind of and i had only seen the uh, tweets about their what they had said then i actually saw the whole interview and the bit that i thought was offensive was that was not mentioned in any tweet was when one of the boys claimed that the other has slept with all the cheerleaders and actually what was being tweeted and objected to were other things that maine iske sath kiya uske sath kiya even i thought that i said the rest was just crass and you can't take action against it that specific thing was that's a coworker so if he had said maine ravi shastri ke sath kiya you know i i did really well in the match and i went back and ravi shastri kind of pleasured me would that be okay if that person is a colleague in whatever capacity in the cricketing paraphernalia ecosystem then i think action is warranted and that is what dheeraj was actually talking about i'd like your views on that and then move on to do you think me too is you don't hear about the sanju issue of hirani because hirani has too much goodwill or me too as a whole has died down can you come in on both yeah look i think if someone in my company spoke about their coworkers the way these two boys did it would be an immediate firing offense you won't even need to set up a committee but having said that i think the bcci is handling this really wrong the fact is that a lot of these young people who are thrown into the role of being role models aren't really ready for that you know they don't have uh the sort of exposure and i wrote a column in cricket next about you know various reasons why our role models aren't uh, ready to be role models i mean these are kids who basically obsessively done nothing but play cricket all their lives uh, they're not adequately educated in 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 the full sense of the term and so on so i think the bcci has a responsibility now and there should be a wake up call to sort of do sensitization training and sort of uh help these guys set a certain you know what public face they should present to the world because they are after all role models and now personally if some guy happens to be a misogynist or whatever that's a personal growing up process that he uh, needs to go through but regardless their uh, behavior has to be monitored that's it i i think the important thing here is that justice should be done quickly and that's not happening in fact i was kind of shocked that dina idolji actually made a statement that uh, uh, the inquiry should take time because otherwise it will be seen as a cover up which is a bizarre thing to say because justice is as far as possible you want to dispense it as quickly and get it out of the way and and um, and yeah these kids were uh, you know immature and all of that so 
fine punish them and i think uh, the punishment also depends on what is in their contract with the bcci what, uh, you know uh, i'm sure the contract has a good behavior clause what is that clause how can it be interpreted uh, similarly whoever hires the cheerleaders whether it's a franchises or whatever what are the clauses in there i think a lot of this was empty boasting because the cheerleaders actually have a clause in their contract which does not allow them to interact with the cricketers so mm-hmm. uh, you know how much of this is just uh, bluster and bravado uh, one doesn't know but i think the bcci has made a mess of uh, the whole issue and and as far as a broader me too thing look i think me too is great i i did a bunch of podcasts on it um, which people you know you guys can check out at seen unseen dot i and uh, i think it's fantastic that more women are speaking out Uh, what we should remember in a case like the hirani case is there is no need to rush to judgment one way or the other either by saying that oh another icon has fallen or by saying that oh this me too movement is going too far uh, instead you, the focus should be on the process uh, how does the process play itself out uh, did hirani's company have an icc an internal complaints committee um, uh, you know statements made by vidhu vinod chopra indicate that uh, perhaps it didn't and perhaps uh, vidhu vinod chopra's company couldn't set up an icc because this woman didn't work for them and blah 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 and i think we need to sort of um, uh, go beyond the posturing and look at the process more carefully and uh, whether hirani is guilty or not is something that we should suspend uh, judgment on until the process plays itself out but in the meantime uh, it it's just fantastic that more and more women are finding the courage to speak out and this must not be diminished in any way um yeah fair enough but my point was that i agree that one should not go into this is true or this is untrue but the marked difference in the coverage of the hirani case and how the earlier case were covered is that because that realization has come or is that because there was such an over kind of overplay of the earlier cases where everything was just taken and everyone ran with it including news organizations in fact news laundry is partnering with the india conference at harvard this year again we partnered with them last year and the session we are doing is should journalism be the filter to keep me too credible because twitter pe to kuch bhi pehl do na but from there when it finds its way into a news organization one assumes certain filters and put in place i found that lacking in india um anything that was on twitter was reported by what you would call responsible news organizations without any sort of journalistic filter yeah or yeah. the usual and i think that was problematic and i personally believe because of that and so many cases being discredited because of complete over anxious and over eager um news coverage by news professionals who completely threw their news professional hat you know to the wind and became full time activists and that i, I think, think has has damaged the movement i think if i may interject i'd say that uh, you know uh, journalism and news coverage is not a monolith as if there's one uh, entity applying a filter different organizations apply different kinds of filters and their credibility and how seriously they are ta- taken evolves according to that for example uh, you know i followed the second me too movement you know the wave which broke a couple of months ago very closely and one of the interesting things that happened there was that whereas in the first me too movement you know you just had a wave of 
uh, allegations from different people. In this, in this second one, filters began to evolve on Twitter itself. For example, uh, you know, people like Sandhya Menon and Rituparna Chatterjee, Masala Bhai, uh, uh, they sort of became uh, a fulcrum where they were looking at all the anonymous complaints, speaking to the people concerned, figuring out on their own how credible they seemed, and only putting the complaint out after they themselves were convinced that it made sense. And what that did was that, uh, you know, while the complaint stayed anonymous, you know that because this complaint to Sandhya or Rituparna, there's a certain amount of credibility you can put to that. And similarly, there were maybe other people who weren't considered so credible. And it was almost like, you know, the spontaneous order of markets where uh, certain people gain credibility. Certain, certain checks and balances don't. came into it's effect. It's bound to be a messy process, obviously. And it's still evolving in the sense that, you know, if I can just continue for a bit, if you look at the first Me Too movement, the anger and the frustration was that due process isn't working. What happened a couple of months ago is that more companies made an effort to put due process in place and in many cases actually preempted due process by firing the people themselves. Um, and uh, what we will find as we go on is that this will continue to evolve because even due process as it is, even if it's implemented the way ICCs are set up and the way the norms are, there are still a lot of problems there. But in the meantime, I think um, it's great that more women are speaking out. And if you, you know, the Hirani case is like an isolated case has happened now. There were a whole bunch of cases and there was an outpouring of anger. So it may not seem to have got the media prominence it deserves, but nevertheless, we are discussing it, right? Right. But yeah, I think we're discussing it because there's been no discussion about it elsewhere. So that's why I was wondering why there hasn't. No, I definitely think that Raju Hirani's case got really little traction. I mean, he's a big name. No, he's such a big director. He's huge, he's yeah. But Hirani... Irani. Looking at that, uh, you know, he really didn't, and say, compare it to someone like a Varun Grover who's not that, uh, you know, he's not at the same level, and the allegations against him were pretty, like, sort of dicey, but they were everywhere, and it was really picked up very quickly, and Hirani's case, even though there is, there seems to be some sort of credibility to what's being said because of the way Anupama Chopra and Vidhu Vinod Chopra have sort of issued statements and uh, there was also the suggestion that he's been sort of been asked to leave the production house his name was not there in the latest movie or something like that uh, because of that uh, and it's not an anonymous complaint despite that you haven't had that kind of it's not been no, so well reported if you're trying to suggest that uh, Hirani is a big name and mm. that is why uh, the media has not uh, given I think Hirani's story is not taking me to uh, you know discussion any further it was just yet another case. Take a big name. But, uh, but you're saying it's not huh, a progression in the... It was reported rightly and I totally agree with Amit. I mean, the Me Too 1, Me Too 2, I mean, there were different, uh, you know, undertones hmm. at that time. And that is why they got more uh, coverage. I mean, the, the fact that uh, the due process of law wasn't being followed, hmm. that is why it was being covered. Now, I think uh, things are getting in place. Uh, so I don't see any uh, problem with the media coverage. Anand, you want to wait on this before we move on? Uh, two things. Yes, uh, the filter, the Twitter, uh, filter between Twitter and uh, the news media coverage. Now, uh, yes, there is a case. I think uh, there are tweets which when they run out of characters take the shape of newspaper op-eds. Hmm. And uh, newspaper op-eds running out of a space are taking the shape of books. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, the deluge in publication and uh, the social media visibility, the, the, that is there. I think uh, the uh, rigor is missing. Uh, second, I want to say something on what Amit said mm. about role, uh, role models. Mm. Now, these are 
ट्वेंटी प्लस किड्स हु गॉट करूर्स बिकॉज ऑफ दे आर गुड एट वन थिंग प्लेइंग क्रिकेट एंड डूइंग वेल इन इट नाउ इफ आई हैड करूर्स इन ट्वेंटीज वेयर आई वुड हैव गॉन आई डोंट नो मे बी आई वुड आई वुड हैव करूर्स नाउ ऑल्सो वेदर आई वुड बी लीडिंग अ लाइफ ऑफ डिबॉचरी सो सो आई कंट but yes when we when when we were growing up cricketers were men cricketers were uh, men and uh, not boys the, mm. like this guy now the kind of stories we heard about sunil gavaskar now uh, whatever be the uh, the criticism of him but he was so obsessively professional that uh, there were uh, stories written by his colleagues that he didn't allow photographers to click him after the match because he thought that it would affect his eyesight next day and i was critical for him to face f- uh, fast wow. bowling and he didn't uh, go to night clubs because of the smoke and that he thought that it would affect his eyes now these were the uh, manly professionalism attributes we uh, we are brought on that we, our cricketers were men not these boys uh, slipping here and there but also i think one of the things if i may come in on this although my disdain for cricket notwithstanding <laughs> is that um a at that time most cricketers and correct me if i'm wrong i don't know uh, uh, as much about cricket as you know amit and anand uh, definitely do my hunch is like everything else back then cricketers also came from a certain class now it's a lot more democratic mm. a guy who has not had bats like uh, you know so i think most of the cricketers ever middle class upper middle class so wealthy people now cricketers can actually rise from actually the grassroots that is one big difference and the second thing that i wanted to say is that even back then i remember ian botham had once famously said that he and viv richards broke a bed yeah, yeah. while they, they were, were they, bonking the same woman they, or something they, like uh, that uh, ravi shastri uh, had stories of romance with amrita singh a romance and, is one thing but i'm and, talking and, about and, a very tennis player gabriela sabatini and yeah, but ian botham said that he broke yeah. a bed he and viv richards actually the bed broke the hotel yes. bed like crack so that kind of stuff was also said it wasn't just indians didn't say it uh Haan, but indians didn't say it <laughs> but but the cricketers un dino bhi aisi cheeze mujhe yaad hai kehte to the log am i wrong amit anand uh, no no, <laughs> no, no you absolutely right it's just that now we look at it through a different kind of lens so what would have been you know harmless boy chatter then is uh, a different matter now so i don't know if we overcompensate perhaps sometimes ravan sir you were saying no we didn't have uh, you know social media at that time mm. this is one difference and second is we also had uh, some cricketers like ekna solkar he came from a poor background i yes, think yes yes some and, uh, many, uh, many. sahit kirmani if i'm not wrong if, if you read ramchand guha's a corner in the foreign field he gives social profile of mm. cr- two three generations of cricketers after independence if before independence also and the social profile but yes you are right in the sense that it was a metro sport then mm. uh, and uh, it didn't percolate to small towns so uh, it was uh, metropolitan hold over the game yes okay um i have two more issues and i'd like to quickly try to squeeze both in so if we could keep our commentary on this a little brief one is rahul gandhi's I think following Shashi Tharoor's article, which he was roasted for on Twitter, where he kind of 
justified the traditional conservative stance of not allowing women to enter Sabrimala, saying it is not an issue of misogyny. Uh, it is an issue of this deity being um, celibate. Uh, and we've, of course, discussed this in the past as well. But what I want to discuss now is that Congress is kind of trying to do this monkey balancing act because it is clearly an electoral issue that can have significant impact in Kerala. Uh, and the second thing is the BSP-SP alliance, which has left only four seats for Congress. Out of respect, they will not contest from Amethi and Raifareli. Uh, but uh, what kind of respect that is, I'll they don't ignore them on the rest. Uh, just what is the electoral fallout on this? Uh, and on the um, Sabrimala case, Manisha, why don't we start with you? Uh, on the Sabrimala, well, I mean, Congress has always, has, has always done the monkey balancing. It was Harish Rawat, I think, who made some remarks on beef also and said that uh, cow slaughter ban hona chahi or whatever. Or, or in MP, you've had their manifesto talking about Gaushalas and all. So I'm not really surprised. But is it? But, but uh, my question is, you think there's a problem that debates on this lack nuance? Like one side will say, see, they are also monkey balancing. The other side will say, see, we were right all along without putting out there with the anchor saying that in electoral politics, there are certain, every decision is not, just like in foreign uh, international relations, this Michael, this guy who's been extradited from, what's his full name, Michael what? Christian Michael. Mm. You know, his mm. family has gone to the UN saying that it's a human rights violation because the exchange was an exchange of that Saudi princess or that princess from UAE who had come here trying to Dubai flee from her family and India gave her back yeah, to the family. And that's a human rights violation and this is a trade for that. While that may be true, neither politics nor international relations are conducted on idealism alone. Is there a lack of acknowledgement on that, even in commentary? Yeah, and you see that with that famous talk phrase, like, why are you politicizing the issue? Which every political spokesperson is asked. Hmm. And of course, he's a politician and he will politicize. But yeah, I don't even think this is worth uh, a primetime debate. I mean, it's not like Congress came out in the beginning and said, oh, we're going to totally stand with the women and we're going to let them enter. It's not like, there's not a U-turn, so to speak, or a hypocrisy, a very apparent hypocrisy that's been exposed. They were always They've playing always safe. They've always been like dilly-dallying. One person will say something, Manish Tewari will say something else. Uh, they've not really put their weight behind the issue anyway for it to be a shocker. Raman, sir? The moment, uh, it became political, the moment, uh, you know, the Supreme Court uh, gave a decision on it, I now, at the end of the day, I think that uh, the Kerala CM is completely isolated on the issue. He's trying his hard, mm. very hard to implement it. And all other political parties, I mean, Congress initially was uh, not speaking much on the issue. But now, yes, they are also speaking the same tone that the BJP is uh, for political reasons, of course. So I personally feel that... Uh, uh, it's not a here I mean they are trying to call it it's a question of faith mm. uh, but I think it is a question of uh, that freedom as Supreme Court uh, defined in this so you think it, it's, it's not that yes this, yes it, I strongly feel that it is still a, a you know gender issue right uh, Amit do you want to come in on this 
lack of yeah, acknowledgement I, i i think i think anyone who thinks that politicians uh, have principles are, are being very naive and i don't say that in a rhetorical sense but if you really think about it once you enter politics the pulls and pressures of politics the need to satisfy your interest groups or people who fund you different vote banks mean that basically you're playing to a very narrow kind of self interest and and to be principled in that environment is completely impossible in fact i uh, shashi tharoor was on my podcast a couple of weeks ago and i chatted with him about this and he spoke about sabrimala and he of course insisted that politicians can be principled but the thing is all parties are fundamentally the same in the sense that they are competing to be the only legal mafia in town and uh, they will do whatever it takes to get to power and they cater to different vote banks and your support can sort of uh, uh, you know go from one side to the other depending on uh, which uh, which set of principles that they have chosen to adopt you agree with more at a given point in time but they don't believe in any principles um, uh, at all and it's very easy for a party in opposition to be virtuous so you know mm. whenever the bjp does something wrong by default the congress looks virtuous and it's it's good when something like this happens uh, which reminds you that, that they're all basically functionally sociopathic i see mm. anand i think uh, mr tharoor uh, never committed himself uh, to on this issue and uh, a, only later when he he was perhaps gazing the intensity of popular mood and he later committed himself to be on the side of the uh, devotees hmm. but uh, i think uh, we have already discussed it two three times right. that uh, but just one point that uh, uh, the protocol of believers uh, now in electoral politics uh, people who are more likely to uh, believe what their ancestors or their family which is an instant and uh, very reality for them are doing rather than far removed ideals of a constitution so uh, the protocol derives it uh, of believers would uh, certainly have greater electoral heft uh because it's a, an uh, a very immediate sociological fact that uh, the believers have whereas the liberal ideas are a distinct constitutional ideal which which may take time uh, and uh, po- po- uh, political parties would not wait 70 80 years to win an election right i mean on this uh, i mean i just have one thing to say on the coverage of the issue with the court i think uh, or the uh, committee that the court had appointed about the women who had entered they made an observation that the women were treated like vips and they were allowed to go into the vip gate and they were escorted and they weren't regular devotees and the news channel i think times now in this case is most hysterical of the lot was using that as saying that see they are vips how dare they be treated like vips like it was such a dumb kind of coverage like if they were going to be beaten up if they went normally so then of course they would be provided security i was amazed at see i'm not i don't think news that has to cater to the large mass audience the same audience that watches a big boss or rakhi ka insaf will be extremely nuanced and they'll you know discuss policy thread bare like they should but there will be some semblance to sense my concern with legacy media coverage on television is even that slight attempt has been thrown to the winds like you can say fucking anything kuch bhi pehl do and it's fine they, you have to make absolutely no sense and i tweeted this out i was watching one of these debates and my nephew walked in and i had to switch the channel 
because I couldn't get him to watch this shit. The people shouting, the anger, the venom, the nonsense, the factual inaccuracies. I think if you reach a stage where you can't let your children watch the news, there is seriously something you got to sit back and think. It's not an ordinary level of shit. It's like shit level of shit. So in, on that very articulate note, <coughs> I just like to read two more emails and then go on to the UP. Then we'll close at that. Are these emails the first is from Rahul Pandey? Hi Rahul. I know you're the doctor from Singapore. Hope you're well. He says, just a quick note to Hafta listeners and Mr. Vivek call reference NL Hafta 75th minute. Wow, he even knows the minute that was said. Dismissing plastic surgery in India thousand years back in the same breath as Vayu Yan by Mr. Call is incorrect. The Sushruta Samhita is widely accepted as the oldest written description of complex plastic surgical principles and practice. It has been accepted as that by a variety of Western medical institutions. He sent a link of columbiasurgery.org. It has even been quoted by the so-called historian Wendy Doniger, who is revered deeply by the lefties. Bash Modi, bash his ministers and even his supporters, if you feel like, but blanket dismissal of factual historical advances, which is helping the patients all over the world, even in the present day, is a sign of ignorance. Lal Salam. And finally, Naman Mishra says, Hi team, Happy New Year. Just saw your post on Twitter about the 30% off on a six-month subscription, while this surely attract more subscribers. I think you should provide a discount. Naman, we know... We've already given you this discount as I announced in the beginning of this podcast. So yeah, people who are already paying subscribers, this discount will be extended to you and I have already said how you can do this and I will repeat it again at the end of this podcast. Thank you all. And now let's go into UP. I just have one point to make on this Shruta Samita thing that people are talking about. Hmm. That uh, no one's discounting the fact that Vedic India wasn't like highly evolved and intelligent and was doing things. And no one's dismissing these texts. But the right wing isn't making that argument. You know, the right wing will say Ganeshji was the first instance of plastic surgery. So, of course, you'll be laughed at. I mean, I think more than anything, the right should learn the texts and actually present a more uh, accurate sort of a representation of what they want to stand for. Good point. I don't think anyone really dismissed Shruta Samita ever. I don't remember. What did Vivek say? Does anyone remember what Vivek said? stuff like Ganeshji was first rhinoplasty or whatever. What did Vivek say? Does anyone remember? He was it the Ganesh or is was it general yeah, it was plastic surgery? surgery? I don't remember. It was plastic surgery. Uh, anyway, but good point. Hmm. Yes, yeah, yes. Means uh, uh, confusing mythology with uh, the achievements of ancient Indian science. Yeah, that yeah. is wrong. That is wrong. But what is uh, a bit problematic is that uh, the school textbooks on ancient India don't include even the historical facts about the scientific Good achievements. Yeah. And uh, if you go to L.A.L. Vasham, he is uh, considered an authority on ancient Indian cultural history, the wonder that was India. And you have to go to the appendix of it to know many facts and this. So uh, class 6, 7, uh, 8, 9, 10 books, you can include this, uh, uh, these things if they, are, uh, they have been uh, accepted by uh, rigorous academic inquiry, you can include it in textbooks. That is that is the point. Okay, now quickly, can we just so go what, around? What, just one more point. What Modi had actually said was we worship Lord Ganesh and there must have been some plastic surgeon at that time who put an elephant head on the body for a human being and that Karna was born outside of mother's womb. This means genetic science was present. This is not, he's yeah. not talking about Samuta. Yeah, of course, that is all nonsense. I agree with yeah. you. Shusta Samita. So and it would be nice to actually have someone actually talk about that than have people talk about mythology. Good point. One should actually get the news channels to do that when they can defend the indefensible. Might as well defend the defensible. 
um let's start with amit before we come to recommendations on up uh, how much of a sign of respect is this to the congress by not contesting for seats uh i i i don't know the historical reasons for why parties do this so i really can't comment but it's it's interesting i i read this analysis by yogendra yadav about what this would mean for up the the sort of seat divisions and all of that and uh all the different scenarios that uh, he comes up with have basically the bjp and the spbsp alliance kind of splitting it one way or the other with the balance shifting but the congress getting really very uh, little out of it which which is you know quite interesting and and if that therefore means that the bjp gets say around 150 160 170 seats in a worst case scenario for them what do you guys think uh, uh, the the next government would consist of would look like okay uh, manisha you want to come in first no not really I don't have much to add to UP politics. Okay, Raman sir. I'm sure Anand will have no, things to say. No, I see this is the ground situation. I mean, Congress has been decimated in uh, UP, hmm. and the two parties, uh, if you look at the voting trend also, so they are the ones who finish first and second, uh, you know, in most of the constituencies. But having said that, uh, we cannot forget that uh, Rahul Gandhi once he. when he initially came into politics and uh, the congress had 121 seats from up if i'm not wrong 22 yes 22 seats right so i and 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 to this time i think it's going to be very uh, it, it will be very interesting to see how rahul gandhi is going to respond to it how the congress is going to respond to it i feel that sonia gandhi is not going to contest from raibareli oh really it's just an apprehension hmm. uh, by talking to few politicians uh, in the party uh, so if she doesn't contest then who is going to so uh, looking at the past in 2004 i had gone to raibareli uh, covering the when satish uh, mishra had yes, yes. handed over this to uh, you know sonia gandhi if she doesn't contest i see the second most popular person over there is priyanka gandhi okay she knows people by name in that uh, constituency she is the one she was the campaign manager of right. uh, her mother all this while mm-hmm. so if priyanka gandhi contests uh, from up and uh, as the rumors are that varun gandhi also hmm. joins the congress. congress so the two guys making a team a formidable team hmm. to lead the up charge that is going to be very interesting Anand but I, having said that i must say that uh or in terms of an organization congress is very weak no, so the challenge is coming from the top the to- two top leaders if they can generate you know some kind of heat but as amit asked if there's 150 to 170 seats which the bjp gets what would the next government look like would it be an nda government at all no if there will be an nda government it will be a minus uh, with modi. modi minus modi minus modi so you think there'll be a pm other than modi from the bjp Okay, that's I mean that is that I don't think so. The, so no, in case has, in case there are highly unlikely. No, in case BJP gets one seventy to one ninety, it will be minus P uh, minus Modi. Anand Vardhan. I think uh, uh, SP and BSP denying Congress uh, uh, place in their alliance is. Uh, um, I think they are ploy to keep their cards to themselves post poll. so uh, they don't want to give much ins to congress because in post poll bargains they will have uh, larger negotiation space uh, 
that's it but uh, it is more about who mingled th rather than who was left out and those who mingled are not less interesting sp and bsp hmm. now uh, it's uh, the ideological uh, hmm, facade is of uh, the uh, uh, coalescence of Ambedkarite and Lohiite politics. Now, uh, which are strange bedfellows in uh, Hindi heartland now, because uh, uh, if you look at the social base, the OBC and uh, Yadav-led OBC, which is SP, and BSP, the, the Dalit vote, are actually competitors in social sector as well as in the economy. And uh, that is why Mayavati was able to pull off uh, her alliance with Brahmins in 2007 poll, and mm. she won. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, because uh, a lot and she of, won handsomely. Uh, it wasn't like a marginal victory. A lot of Dalits see the Yadav dominance as a great threat. Right. And but it was Mayavati's charismatic hold over her vote bank that she is able to transfer 90% of votes to. Um, but that cannot be said about SP as uh, Amit was saying, Yogen Rad, yeah, they've also pointed it out. It's not sure whether SP would be similarly able to transfer their votes to Mayavati, and that would be a challenge. So, uh, SP voters' <laughs> second choice is who? Anyway, Congress. They can go to Congress, and there are uh, very subterranean regional parties, <coughs> caste based parties, others. So, uh, uh, the, the challenge in the alliance would be to see whether um, SP is uh, successful in getting their votes transferred to Mayavati. Mayavati is sure to get her transfer. Okay, and um, in and case the, BJP gets 150 to 170 seats, what will the government look like? your view i think uh, modi as a, uh, a modi without a complete majority is not modi uh, is not modi because his uh, style of working is authoritarian uh, if you may say so and uh, he wants a comfortable majority to work uh, and uh, uh, in that case i think uh, and also it's not modi's choice it's also Elias' choice whether they want to work with him and uh, i think uh, the exploration of other faces would come into play. Whether Modi can uh, sabotage that is another thing. Mm. Uh, yes. Also, it would be also, interesting if India actually sees its first Dalit Prime Minister. Also, also see, <laughs> uh, uh, even in in Bihar, uh, Lalu could not uh, keep Ram Vilash Paswan, the Dalit vote, with him. Mm. Uh, because of the same, because Dalits and OBCs are competitors in rural India. Okay, um, coming to UP, I think Mayavati is one of the most fascinating politicians India has ever seen. In fact, I'd written a piece in 2008, which the link is below. It's called Change We Also Need. This is after Obama's Rongte Khade Karne Wali speech, Yes We Can in Chicago, if you remember. I was watching, it was morning time here when the, when he was declared president and I remember women crying, Whoopi Goldberg crying and that I can't believe, I remember this black woman saying that I did not believe this would happen in my lifetime. I can't believe this has happened. And of course, in South Delhi, Indians were saying, dude, we need an Obama because they all watched that in the morning while having their juice and sausages. And I said, what do you think our Obama would look like? And they probably thought that our Obama would also, you know, this would go to Harvard and would be some... Our Obama is Mayavati. 
she is our Obama and that's the point I've made in this piece. But the point is that the moment you tell them that, then they don't want our Obama. Then they're happy I, with the Modi with the Rahul. I don't rever any politician to that extent, no. including including Mayawati. No, I think she's very interesting because Obama. Her, her rise has rise. No, it, it's, no, I'm not saying you have to revere someone, but to understand the context that someone rises is is interesting and that 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 shows the gumption or as his book says the the audacity of hope or whatever it was um so i think what happened in um ye uh, gorakhpur and phulpur when sp and bsp came together if that is any indication bjp must be shitting bricks right now and i'm sure they're shitting bricks right now i don't know what will happen but if they could lose gorakhpur which they hadn't lost in like 50 60 years which was Gorakhbaba Adityanath's constituency, and they didn't lose it marginally. They were by over 50,000 votes. No, SP has a machinery on the ground. And if they have a tight management over it, I, I believe that they will be able to translate votes in favor of... Yeah, but, so uh, I'm saying if... No, that, if, if BJP, that, BJP is resigned to fate of a halving, uh, halving his numbers. No, actually, Yashwan Deshmukh said not even half, uh, sing, uh, single digits. Even Yogendri Yadav says that in worst case scenario, uh, uh, BJP can come to 12 or 13. Huh. Yeah, but so, uh, in UP. Uh, but uh, I think in Gorakhpur and Fulpur, they were caught by surprise. Here, uh, he, here it's, it's a known quantity. But uh, coming to what will a government with 150 BJP seats look like, Whatever it looks like, it will not survive a full term. It will be like Atalji's first term, which collapsed in a one year. Now, I don't know whether it will be a UPA government or it will be NDA government. But BJP with 150, um, allies Modi ko jine nahi denge or Modi gadkari ko jine nahi dega. Because Modi knows if, I don't mean that literally, that's a metaphor. <laughs> but I, 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 do, I do think you know that, that oxygen is called or pani is called liquid is called yeah, that, that Ajit dialogue I was trying that of course it didn't quite work that way but, but my point is it's no secret that too many people in the BJP who matter may tolerate Modi they can't stand Amit Shah I don't believe Modi can sacrifice Amit Shah and therefore if Modi slips on power once these people will not let him get to the top again and for that reason, Modi can't afford to slip. So that's that's what I think. He won't let any government which doesn't have him survive. Now, for symbolism in the last BJP conclave, hmm. the proposal for the new election preparation, uh, the proposal was uh, given by Gadkari for cameras hmm. that we stand With, united. So hmm. the formal proposal by was by Gadkari, then Mr. Modi and uh, Mr. Shah addressed. Yeah, but Gadkari's been making too many statements for them just to be slip of tongues. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, on that note, I'd just like to uh, recommend to all of you to subscribe to News Laundry so that we can grow our team, we can cover the forthcoming election, there'll be a lot of resources needed, we'll, be, we'll need lots of reporters on the ground, we don't rely on, uh, on advertisers, we rely on you, so do subscribe, upgrade your subscription, make use of the discount that has been extended for subscribers only. And if you have any feedback, send it at contact at News Laundry with the title Hafta. If you have an abuse, you can leave it on my Twitter timeline. Uh, make it creative because I don't like boring abuse. And let's go with the recommendations before. Amit, you have anything else to say before you recommend something to us? No, no, nothing at all. So what is your recommendation for our audience to enrich their lives this weekend? 
<laughs> so the books I've been reading recently is I've I read this very fascinating book called Night March by Alpa Shah. She's a London-based anthropologist, and this is of time that she spent sort of embedded in uh, the Maoist heartlands of Jharkhand uh, uh, and Bihar, and the time she spent with them, and a lot of insights into the insurgency where you sort of realize that the only reason Naxalism is still alive is the complete and utter failure of the Indian state. Uh, and another book I read, which spoke to some of the insights in Night March, was a book by Fred Kaplan called *The Insurgents*, which is about um, which is about how the U.S. Army kind of um, figured out that the wars that it's fighting in modern times are not traditional military wars with tanks and big guns, but they're fighting insurgents, and that a key part of counter-insurgency strategy in defeating insurgencies is winning the hearts and minds of people. It's not a military battle as much as it's a political battle and and the americans really learned this like uh, well after you know the invasion of iraq kind of failed where mm. initially the conventional thinkers thought that they've won the battle but then they realized that no it's a long insurgency and actually they haven't won at all and i think the indian state needs to learn some of these same lessons when it comes to dealing with kashmir and the maoist uh, regions where instead of winning the hearts and minds of people and being a responsible state, um, we are instead alienating them further and creating extremists. Right. Thank you. Before I ask the others for their recommendation, I'm going to give mine because in case Anand steals it. My recommendation is a Manu Joseph <laughs> recommendation because highly unlikely he may recommend the same. It is an opinion piece in Live Mint. Why the upper classes are imitating the weak. It's a very interesting take. I agree with much of it. I disagree with some of his snark because I think Manu likes to just, you know, provoke someone <laughs> when he writes a piece, even when he articulates it very well. Uh, but I completely agree with the point he's making here. And of course, he's a master of words. Uh, so that's my recommendation for the week. And now, um, Anand, your recommendation. So um, I'm recommending two books regarding this. So it's a uh, largest human gathering on earth. Hmm. And uh, on, uh, I think uh, I visited it in uh, 2001, and uh, it uh, means uh, the, there are the congregation is uh, something unbelievable. Means uh, there are days on which uh, uh, Prayagraj now then Allahabad becomes the most populated city on the earth. Right, it can go up to three, four crores a day, hmm. uh, the population. And uh, uh, BBC then had declared. Uh, the district magistrate of Allahabad uh, and young IS officer as the best event manager in the world. Right. So, uh, in 1991 book by Mark Tully, No Full Stops in India, so he talks about the media uh, in one of the essays and uh, its coverage of Kumbh Mela, and he says that how condescending the English press was, mm. uh, that uh, it was saying it's the triumph of obscurantism and faith over reason and this, as if uh, they were expecting Indian Science Congress in or Astrophysics Congress in Allahabad. It, it is, of course, a matter of faith. So, uh, so he says that they had no sensitivity to why people have come. Many may have just come for picnic. Right. Many out of faith. Mm. Many out of tradition. But it in, in all. 
uh, taken. It's a great logistical exercise. Absolutely, no it, doubt about it. It can be. Have you ever uh, been there? Yes, uh, I, uh, 2001. So he had studied 1989 kum. In fact, 2001 was when uh, that uh, Buddha Purnima and kum yes, happened yes, at the same time. Yes. I was there at the same time. Yeah, uh, and uh, then now uh, for 2019 kum, Nityanand Mishra has written a book on kum, and uh, he also talks about logistics, the administration, the belief systems, and uh, it's a good read 200 pages you can read it and uh, it also in times when um, uh, idiotic tweets from business standard uh, said that uh, the kamariyas uh, so many lakhs of kamariyas are in haridwar and so you can um, count the number of uh, unemployed people in india so <laughs> the, the, these are the idiotic people who sending tweets on english media but you need to get to the place to know no it is not a reflection of unemployment in india sure manisha your recommendation so i think uh, one thing we skipped discussing but uh, so i'll recommend that is the four nuns who spoke up against bishop franco were forced out of the kerala convent right so i'd suggest news minutes uh, reports on that and i'll link to them and a piece in the atlantic how stroke turned a 63 year old into a rap legend okay raman sir uh, soli sorab ji today has written uh, on sedition in indian express a very good article where he is uh, talking about section 124 and uh, the definition and how it needs to be redefined so i'll recommend that all right once again this is for those subscribers who want to extend your subscription and use the discount that has expired officially but for you that discount is open till monday you can send us the discounted amount via paypal or paytm and send us a screenshot of the amount of the payment and specify your email or login of your current subscription that you are actually subscribing or with right now and we'll extend it for international payments send us the discounted amount via paypal to prashant at newslaundry.com that is p r a s h a n t at newslaundry.com and if you live in india you can pay tm it to 9899483893 thank you all thank you panel thank you amit for joining us good luck with your podcast guys if you are fond of podcast check out amit's podcast and uh, his pieces that appear across all publications and we'll get you another time amit when you're around maybe you can come to the office and we can have coffee and do another hafta then thank you for having me i had a great time hanging with you guys learned a lot thank you amit thank you panel thank you, thank you. until thank next you. week guys i'll leave you with this song hope it inspires you laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.